Hello everyone and welcome to Hash Talk, a podcast exploring the best of blockchain in Asia. I'm your host Sankalp Shangari and this is our open source attempt to bring you the latest news, narrative and interviews with the best minds in blockchain and related technologies. So let's dive right in. Welcome everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hashtag Rising. Uh, we have a very, very exciting guest with us today, uh, a true OG uh, who's known to every circle of crypto for the last ten odd years. Uh, he's he's uh, prevalent in in almost every aspect of uh, crypto wherever it hits, starting from security to auditing to investing. uh primarily based in europe but but uh, traveling on the road all the time uh, our our super super guest today is hartej from zokio uh, hartej welcome to the show how are you i'm doing well sankal thanks so much for having me excellent uh, hartej first question i i ask everyone how did you get into this so um i got into crypto i'd say late uh mid to late 2014 i was living in las vegas alongside a good friend of mine fode diop who is actually working with me right now on a on a cybersecurity ai product he's a senegalese american and at that time i was building a mobile point of sale solution called zeldi z u l d i where we re-engineered the micros 3700 res which is the most commonly found point of sale system in all of the uh, food and beverage industry globally actually we reengineered this point of sale system to be able to work on any tablet any size android or ios and we were attaching chip and pin emv credit card readers to these mm, tablets and taking over the point of sale as well as the payments as well as the data of high volume restaurants and that's what took me out to Las Vegas to try to be closer to my customers i ended up falling deeply in love with crypto and spending more time of my mental energy focusing on on bitcoin at the time than focusing on my fintech point of sale company which really long sale cycles for big restaurant group is tough uh, we were not vc backed and it was a very long and grueling process and uh, eventually in 2016 when ethereum came out basically we were investing small sums of capital very very small sums of capital and pooling it with groups of friends that were enthusiasts into crypto in vegas these icos and my friend yosab kwan gave me a call and he said that uh, he's him and his friends have been finding critical vulnerabilities in smart contracts of ICOs that we've invested in and some that we've not invested in and uh this is a massive problem and i started looking into the the world of contract auditing and googling this and security auditing of blockchains and open zeppelin had a small division and trail of bits had a division focused on web3 security auditing and uh seeing the demand and after asking around the crypto community saying hey if we were to become a you know a blockchain cybersecurity company that focused on penetration testing and smart contract auditing would you have any smart contracts for us to audit and every single person had 
a few, if not a couple of dozen smart contracts for us to audit because it was peak yeah. ICO boom. And so uh, luckily between Yo and two close friends, uh, Alexander Blair at that time, uh, we were able to start a company. I, I came up with the name Hosho, um, which in Japanese means security. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, I was... And ja I, I have a big knack on finding Japanese names that have two syllables and you're able to get a nice URL and the Japanese word actually means something. So Japanese Hosho actually meant to protect, uh, it meant like security. Uh, sorry, no, it meant security literally in Japanese. And so um, before you knew it, we did four, 4.5 million in revenue and just auditing smart contracts in the first 12 months of Hosho. And we made history as being the first blockchain cybersecurity company absolutely uh and that's that's a beautiful journey by the way and i've seen you from the hosho days i've known you since then how how uh you moved on from hosho to zokyo the branding and and the the quality work that you guys been delivering uh that is why we've been recommending everyone to to zokyo and and definitely would continue to fast forward uh, hartej um, you have seen the inside out of this industry, especially on the security and auditing side of things uh, and investing as well. But I'll come to that in a bit. Uh, where do we stand today? Uh, so many hacks, so many security vulnerabilities, especially when it comes to AI cybersecurity that you mentioned versus uh, a SaaS kind of model, do your own auditing kind of thing uh, versus the manual consulting and auditing that you that you specialize in where do we stand today what is the way forward um okay it's a great question so i'd say that cybersecurity has so many different elements and uh you know from 2016 when we launched our first auditing company hosho to now um one thing positive that has happened that we did a lot of pushing and educating educating in this space towards is simply telling people how what is a smart contract audit what is a penetration test um, what is some basic infosec and opsec cybersecurity practices done by every single company in the world especially those that are under compliance in finance like pci compliance or healthcare like hipaa compliance um, but the truth is Auditing and pen testing is is not enough, and there's so many more elements to fundamental cybersecurity. And before we even talk about an audit, um, our industry lacks the maturity to uh, look after some basic cybersecurity things when you're starting a business, such as is every comp is every employee of this company using company hardware? Are we being mindful of sensitive conversations that we're having? online where are they being had on what hardware on what software on what applications are we just talking about sensitive company stuff with sensitive client information on whatsapp are we using signal are we using slack um who has access physically to our offices is anyone just allowed to walk into our office do we have a system in place for training our employees to look for phishing attacks so the list and the realms of cybersecurity are are quite vast and so, um, and as you guys know, we don't have compliance measures either from governments nor uh, private regulatory arms such as PCI compliance or HIPAA compliance. And in this, in this 
realms of healthcare and finance, it's been so, so standard um, to get regular penetration testing and to think about having a chief security officer. And if you don't have a CISO, then at the bare minimum, you're probably engaging with a third party consultancy. Um, and so there's that part of the show. There's getting regular audit time. You write a smart contract and change the code. There's getting regular penetration testing. There's looking at your cloud services for data leaks. Um, and then there's like uh, the, the next part that we personally are trying to tackle is um, we have a vision where we would like to reduce the time that it takes to uh, between a reported security incident and the response time it takes to mitigate against the risk. You know, uh, $265 million has been lost or stolen this year so far in 2023 from blockchain security incidents. Something in-house that we started building in January is uh, we're building a, a product that is a network driven by AI that it's a robust and scalable architecture that is designed to facilitate seamless incident monitoring, detection, reporting within any blockchain ecosystem. I think I think that's that's mostly what it is. Uh, 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 it's, it's it's just a flow in the logic, common sense mostly. Auditing smart contracts almost twenty four seven. We're trying to maintain as much of a global presence. We do our best to keep our lead times down to about two weeks so that we're able to handle the the volume of auditing demand in our industry. So um, that's the security side of things. Uh, we have a research division, which we have one part of it is focused three quant guys. I, I call them math gurus. Um, Darius is uh, the guy who leads things on that side in our team. He's originally from Poland, and so are his two um, colleagues that work under him. And these guys are designing and reviewing token economics and they've built math models to help predict how a token will perform uh, once it hits the market and so this has been a there's been a growing demand for this solution uh, especially after helping design and review the token economics for notable projects such as layer zero um, and so the demand for that is definitely going up and i don't think zokio is as well known for our capabilities on the quant side of things when it comes to token economics. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to mention that here. And uh, on the investment side of things, Zokio has an investment team. It's a small team. It's, it's two people that are connecting the dots that kind of focus on helping take all of the deal flow that Zokio sees due to its demand for different services and um, spreading it around to relevant venture capitalists. And a lot of times we help VC shops do qualitative and quantitative due diligence. We have the team built out to definitely do a deep tech and security deep dive and token economic deep dive into projects. So uh, we tend to help a lot of VCs with due diligence. Amazing. And and where do you see the, the biggest growth coming from as, as uh, you know, US is becoming quite over uh, regulated and, and, and I'm hearing uh, founders and companies moving out or not setting up bases there. Uh, Europe having its own issues, uh, Dubai, Hong Kong, uh, really picking up pace. Are you seeing a lot of business coming from Asia or, or this is just a fad? I do think Asia uh, is still relatively the global epicenter of crypto. And after the FTX crash, 
Asia was less affected and they cared less about what happened with FTX. So the time it took for Asia and Asian investors to be back in the game and, and bullish on the space was a lot less than I would say North America and Europe. And so there was a little bit of a factor there. Um, now, when it comes to actual quality though, I would say that we are continuing to see a lot of quality come out of North America and the top tier VCs that are still based out of Silicon Valley, they continue to find very, very high quality deal flow. And we are continuing to see the birth of companies in Web3 where the founders have spent the last decade or two working for really sophisticated big tech companies. And those types of founders are being found um, bouncing around meetups, um, such as the, the meetups held by Lightspeed and Faction and Andreessen Horowitz in Silicon Valley and Pantera, Polychain, uh, even the new blockchain Sui and Aptos, they're based out there. And I, I and that's actually a good place to look where you, if you look at some of the early companies that are building on Sui and Aptos, a lot of them have this story that they've spent the last 10 years at LinkedIn or they spent the last 10 years at Twitter and Google. And, um, you know, the, the quality of the engineering and the sophistication of the business planning and the economic planning and the, the tech development, um, it's in a different league as compared to the rest of the world that we've been seeing. Um, for example, I'll also say like in Korea. So Korea is a very exciting market. Uh, I think I am the most bullish on specifically gaming in Web3 in Korea. And I think that that market is a excellent test bed and will be one of the, it will be, in my opinion, my prediction is Korea will be the first place to achieve relative mass adoption of a regular game that has Web3 elements. I think it's probably going to be a game that's played by the majority of Koreans, including some middle-aged uh, middle-aged men and women in Korea. And um, there's going to be like a dynamic NFT drop that helps spur mass adoption. But when you look at the Korean market, I can't say that every month when you have 10 new projects coming out of Korea, that all 10 are high quality. The quality levels yeah. are a lot lower. They're a lot lower. Yeah. They're yeah. not They're not as investable. They're not as high quality. So there's a higher qual. There's a higher quantity coming out of the Southeast Asia region. But I can't say that it's as much of a quality. Um, and the common part that I see is you have Asian companies popping up that need help bridging uh, to the fundraising in uh, the West. They, they want introductions to the top VCs in Silicon Valley. They would like to be known globally. Um, also, yep. there's, more, there's more Asian projects being born that are not focusing on Asia. That's also a big change. Uh, previously, you would have, especially Chinese or Korean projects or Japanese projects, strictly focusing on their local region in their local language and going through one or two rounds of fundraising in this manner. And now I think it's changing. Now, from the get-go, you're seeing new DeFi products being born in Korea or Japan or China, but they have instantly a global team. They have somebody in New York, they have somebody in London, they have a few people in Prague or Ukraine, and everything is in English, and they're trying to launch a global product. And they're not trying to come off as like strictly Chinese or strictly Korean. And that's so a little Detroit, bit of a change. Uh, 
it's a bit of a yeah, change uh, as compared to before. I, I I agree. I think it's a very good observation uh, that they're global from get go, and yes. and uh, and they're trying to woo the Silicon Valley investors from day one rather than second, third round uh, or so. Yep. And I also think it's very important to think about where are the builders, the people who are actually building. And that's kind yep. of why I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of Dubai. Uh, Dubai is not home to a lot of builders. Yep. Uh, yep. It, Dubai is becoming home to an increasing number of Indian builders in particular because due to the regulatory uh, uncertainty in India, it's very, very common from the Web2 era that if you want to raise VC money, you got to get out of India. And if as soon as you raise it, one of the founders has to leave India. Either they go to the States or they go to Dubai. Dubai has become the go-to for the entire Indian crypto scene. It's become the hub. But even then, when you dig into it, how many of the CTOs and the senior engineers are there? It's not that many. No, and, and I, I, think, any... I think that is changing. That is changing because because uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, when it comes to Indians, the, the, their tech teams are all based in India. The builders, yeah. the developers, is the headquarters and the founders who are probably uh, based in Dubai. But that's changing with with CIS uh, community all moving to Dubai. Huge builders I've seen. I've I've met so many of them in my recent trips to Dubai. Uh, but 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 yet again, yeah, it's, and it's, the Russians, it's in and the, infancy. Yeah, and I would say the Russians waging genocide on Ukrainians is speeding up this process where both Ukrainians and Russians are looking for a new home. And yeah, well, the United Arab Emirates will highly incentivize any company to move specifically to Abu Dhabi and to recruit technical engineering talent to move to Abu Dhabi. And if you can do that, well, then you're also opening up the doors to getting significant amounts of money from the official, uh, the fund of the UAE, the Emirates, I forget what it's called, but you know, the the official government would like to incentivize companies that can move engineering talent to the uae but i think that that exists because of what i'm saying is true which is today there's not a lot of companies being born out of the uae or anywhere in the gulf this is the problem with the entire middle east the entire middle east has a lack of builder so whereas you look at that. asian look at vietnam like vietnam is an epic country of builders and i think that we're going to see a lot of solutions coming out where it was at least partially built by Vietnamese builders. Um, Singapore has a little bit of the same as, problem, by the way. Yes, you know, I know you. We, we've been here doing this for over a decade now in crypto alone. Yeah. Builders is not enough. And builders have a very, very tech mind sometimes. Uh, and they cannot think from a business angle, sales angle, token angle, listing angle, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, so just having a builder's mind or a builder's tribe is 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 also not great. So sure. I, I agree with you. You know, Vietnam or or Ukraine or or uh, India uh, has, yeah, has great yeah. builder's talent. But I find you know, as as an investor, I find uh, it intriguing sometimes. You know, the, the it's always uh, one hour pitch call is always about tech. It's never about product market fit or sales and. And that that doesn't work in the real world. As much as I agree, I actually think that the 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 prominent is the other side. The prominent is the talkers, the non-technical people that want to go out and raise capital and launch the next layer one protocol and make a lot of noise. The shortage in the world, I think, continues to be builders. 
And what we need more of is builders. And we need more people to actually understand the technology. And, you know, the truth is the people in Dubai that represent crypto are majority a bunch of traders that keep a monitor in their backpack. And they've been just aggressively buying bottle service and trading cryptocurrency around the world. That's the Absolutely. community of Dubai's crypto scene. See, that, I, right? I agree and with so, you. Like, that, that I don't want to... You know, yeah. I don't want to hang I'm out with a bunch of party boys that trade crypto. I want to hang out with people <laughs> who actually are building. And so, and, and there definitely no, no, has I'm, to be a marriage. When you look at near protocol, absolutely. For example, See, I'm, I'm with near, you on that. No, I lived in Ukraine for five years, uh, four and a half. And Ukrainians are one of the world's best builders. And yeah. I'll agree with your statement in that that's not enough. And, you know, when you look at some of protocols built by Ukrainians, one of their weak points is building community and getting product market fit. So I'll be honest and straightforward. You look at near protocol, it's built by a majority Eastern Europeans, mostly Ukrainians, and they tend to struggle with building community and fostering community growth as compared to either Solana or Ethereum, or now even the newer ones, Sui and Aptos, uh, that's, this is where they struggle, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yep. it, it it's difficult. It's tough. It's tough. It's a different mindset. And I think similarly, the Asians have diff have uh, similar problems. But that's why the future of Web three is global. It's I think it's global teams. Uh, when you look at Hashed in Korea, Hashed has always had an office in Silicon Valley, and I think that they've done a really good job trying to build a strong bridge between the East and the West, where they're birthing companies with the balance of people all around the world. And I think the hashed approach is very respectable and they've grown much more than just a VC. They have their own venture studio now and um, yeah, they have their hand everywhere. But I think that is a very, it's a healthy approach that we're gonna look to. Absolutely, I, I think like you, you rightly said it, you know, we are decentralized for a reason and we are global for a reason. Um, and and uh, if if you understand that and you grow accordingly, j just like the example of hashed, uh, you, the, there's a vast world out there. Uh, pick the best, pick the, the the builders from Ukraine and pick the sales guys from America, pick the product guys from Europe, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, and then build a global team. Uh, moving yeah. on, Hartej, uh, uh, we're going to move on to our last segment, which is a quick fire round. I'm going to ask you a quick question and you're going to answer in one sentence, one line. Are you ready? Sure, sure. Bring it on. Excellent. What is that one project that you have really high hopes for uh, in your portfolio or, or outside of? Mm, layer zero. Uh, it's probably an easy one to say. Um, and and why is that, Hatej? I know you're very closely working with the guys. W what is so special about layer zero? You know, the I'd say that the, the beauty is that I firmly believe in a multi-chain, multi-layer future. And yeah. we've, seen, we've seen over the past few years a steady increase in the actual adoption of blockchain technologies. Google search volumes for the word Ethereum peaked in May 2021, hitting 1.65 million daily transactions on the Ethereum network. Unsurprisingly, this has given way to you know, a wide variety of different layer one blockchains and layer two scaling solutions to serve this massive market of sidelined retail investors and use cases. Um, and you know, since the beginning of 2021, Ethereum's dominance in terms of TVL, total value locked, 
it has decreased from 90% to 65%. And, you know, this was kickstarted by the proliferation of Binance Smart Chain in April 2021, which gave everyone a taste of what happens when you have low transaction fees, you know, one to two dollars yeah. per transaction fees. It does matter for the emerging markets in particular. And ever since then, you know, we've seen a lot of layer ones and twos uh, emerge to challenge Ethereum for a piece of that pie. Um, and they've put out generous incentive programs with liquidity mining and airdrops for users who bridge their assets over. Um, and yep. in each of these L1s or L2s, they, they offer their own advantages, mostly guaranteeing lower fees and higher TPS transactions per second, or they're more retail friendly. The vision of a multi-chain and multi-layer future, it's introduced the need for real cross-chain infrastructure. And we've seen a couple of different people try to take a stab at that, but I think nobody really compares to the work of Layer Zero on how they've tried to bridge the gap between various different blockchains across scaling solutions. And I think it's presented a new, unique set of problems that either hinder or defeat the core purpose of decentralized public blockchains, um, which include you know, centralization, uh, you know, lack of privacy, regulatory risk, counterparty risk. Um, and people are concerned that the usage of bridges, they're, they're concerned about using bridges that are not decentralized. Um, yep. But yep. You know, this, uh, overall, I'd say that Layer Zero, uh, it's an omni-chain interoperability protocol. You can think of it as true critical infrastructure that connects any given contract across every given chain. And Layer Zero is the messaging primitive that empowers a completely new dimension of cross-chain composability and functionality. So um, I think it's a great solution to dig into and to understand um, how Layer Zero splits up um, the block header and the transaction proof, and they're able to split the two components as an Oracle. Uh, an Oracle forwards the block headers and a relayer forward the transaction proofs. Um, I think it's worth for everyone to dig into. So uh, sorry to go, so Raz, sorry to go too no, no, in depth. Raz, in, uh, no, no, Raz uh, and Brian, if you guys are listening, uh, uh, this is your new ambassador, Hartej. Well, well, it's not a new ambassador. I, I, I've been supporting Brian since before the name of the company was yes. even Layer Zero. So we yes. helped with their security. We helped them early on. We invested and we helped convince a lot of other VCs to invest and help them with the diligence. Um, we're really big fans of Brian and Ryan and their entire team, Irene, the whole, the whole team in Vancouver. We're very, very big fans of their work awesome. ethic and them as human beings. So thank you for yes. letting me uh, rant about Layer Zero and Stargate. <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, oh, very quickly, um, a thought leader in the industry that you really admire. Miko Matsumura, I I'll put nice. him there, from Gumi, from Gumi Crypto. Uh, yep. I'd say that yep. yeah, he's, he's, a, That's it. he's an extremely inspirational human being, um, both within the realm of tech and Web3 and as a as a personal human being, I, I look up to him all around. So I, I'll just stop there. Miko Matsumura awesome. from Gumi Crypto. Awesome, awesome. I will, we're not going to hold you to the next question, and and this is definitely not uh, investment advice, guys. Uh, Hartej, what's your price forecast for the end of 2023 for Bitcoin and Ethereum? Uh, for by the end of this year. Yeah, end of this year. 
All right. By the end of this year, I think Ethereum will go up to 2,500, 3K USD. I think it'll go up. And then Bitcoin, I think it should go up also by another 25, 30% by the end of the year. Got it. Yeah. I don't know. Give me, give me, give me 25% more than that by the end of this year, I think. Uh, I, I think that's a, that's a good range. Uh, what's, your, what's your favorite book and why? In crypto or in general? In general. I'd say lately I've been recommending a book to a lot of people and I'm watching it change their life. And it's probably one of my most recommended books. So I'd say Mindset by Carl Dweck. Um, I think Carol Dweck wrote an amazing book. I'd recommend it to literally everybody. Very good. Very good. I'll, I'll check this out. Uh, Hartej, last question. What are your top three D apps that you use or, or you recommend? Layer, you can put layer zero out there. <laughs> I used to use Go I used to use Golem. I'm trying you to think. What else do I anything? What else do I actually use though? I I mean PancakeSwap, Uniswap, <laughs> uh yeah. Curve. I I I guess you can include OpenSea in there still. Still using it yep. sometimes to be an NFT degen. Yeah. Pancake swap, you can put it in there. Uniswap, still using it. <laughs> Honestly, still using Curve as a deck sometimes. There's a bunch of dexes that I like. <laughs> nice, very good. Um, very good, Hartej. Thank you for being us and giving us a lot of uh, knowledge and information today. I, I really, really enjoyed this. Your background as a true OG, the God's work that you're doing in security. I think, I think it's amazing. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. And as always, guys, remember, this is not financial advice by any means. And please do your own research before investing in crypto or any other financial asset. Have a great day.